0: Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church, and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. God, please grab your seats. It's an absolute joy to be with you. And uh, I can't tell you the last time I felt the responsibility and weight of heaven to come with a word from God because one word from God makes all the difference. This morning, please don't expect to preach because that's not what I wanna do today. I wanna reach your hearts first and your mind by inviting you to a new era, an era that God has chosen this house to be part of and many other houses to be part of in this city and beyond. September last year, I handed the leadership of our church over to a new generation or another generation out of obedience, not convenience. It was a hard thing to do. I actually had to become a self-counselor because you go through all these different emotions, having birthed something and then 20 years later having to make a major shift. But I've discovered in my life the greatest key to success is obedience. Yeah. Just doing what He wants had no idea what was about to happen. And in handing over the leadership of the church at Edge, God began to bring to fruition promises given to me 30 years ago. God began to open up doors that I thought had been shut forever. And as many of you know, some of the family challenges we've been through, uh, you know, when we went through our situation with our son, Mike, the enemy in one ear was saying, it's over for you. I discovered that the place of revelation is also the place of accusation. The very thing that God births in you gets tested and it gets challenged and it comes to a place where you just give up. Tonight, I'm gonna talk about one moment in my life where I was at the front of my house crying my eyes out saying, God, I can't do this. God, I don't understand, but I trust you. You see, every one of us in this room can either be a churchian or we can be a Christian. And Christians have non-negotiable convictions. What happened in the next week after making that statement, while I was overseas, I received seven phone calls in a row from different parts of the world. From people saying, God's told us to ring you right now. We don't even know where you are. We can hear the beeps. God's told us to tell you, please don't give up. I'll tell you each one of those stories tonight because people in this room that are discouraged are gonna be encouraged tonight. God keeps His promises and He's faithful to us even when we're not faithful to Him. So since September last year, God has opened up doors across the denominations to mentor a generation of people I didn't even know existed. One of those young ladies was in my home last night who is on the war front in Lebanon, holding people in her arms that have been shot at. A little Catholic girl that got converted so powerfully that today she works for the UN and she also works for World Vision and she sat in my home and God, has connected us for world mission. And you think, how did that happen? God is good, friends. And He's for you and He's in you. And today, I wanna bring some prophetic encouragements to this house because it's time to draw a line in the sand in this house. And I believe I've never carried the weight and pressure of prayer and the anointing for this morning. This is not a friend trying to scratch a friend's back. This is not me trying to be nice to the house because you've been so nice to my son and my daughter-in-law and family. And thank you very much for the love that you give them and look after them. And it blesses my heart. I was gonna share it later, but I'll share it now when Lisa sent a photo the other day of one of our grandkids, Elijah, in here last Sunday, I think it was, with his hands raised, worshiping God. And as a grandfather, I don't know what else can fill your heart with more joy. It's absolutely amazing. I will be talking a little bit about that in what God's putting on this house in just a moment. But if I was to do all that because of friendship, I would be hurting God and hurting you. You you deserve better than that. So for two weeks, I've been crying out to God for this morning. And I'm even quite nervous because I don't know quite where it's gonna go. But I've been seeking God because it's time to draw a line in the sand. And I believe that There are churches all over Australia and all over the world that right now in this moment in history, we are moving from deliverance to possession. We are moving from a season of just pastoring and caring for people and moving to an era of purpose in God that requires the core of the church to be stronger than it's ever been. And it just happens that you are colliding with destiny today and that God is calling this house to be an apostolic house and you're not to be here for yourselves. God wants to send you to community and to other churches. Now in 1 Corinthians chapter one, and again, I hadn't prepared this, but Paul says, I am chosen by God to be an apostle to all of you who are called. This is this church is not called to be this church is not called to be led by the called. It's called to be led by the chosen. The congregation is called, but the leadership is chosen to lead apostolically. And so let me just read to you what I wrote in worship this morning and at home as I was praying this week because I I wanna be on the mark with what God's saying. It's a new era, not a new season for where God wants to take this house. So thank you for trusting me and thank you for letting me go there without sort of trying to soften it. Can I just say it as I feel it in my heart? Tony, Tony, it's time to deal with less issues in people and even in church leadership and God is anointing you for a new season of discipleship and strategic building of momentum. This is not gonna be dealing with the things that need to be sorted, but this is a time to, by design, raise an army. God is doing something very powerful, dealing in this new era with less distraction, a greater core with a new pathway of discipleship and a renewed energy from pulpit to the pew. There is something happening right now across this nation where Christians are getting ticked with their own sense of loss in their own Christianity and they wanna volunteer and they wanna serve. Again, I was gonna share this tonight, but we've got a guy running our car park. His name is Steve Dunn. Stephen Dunn was in the Irish army and Steve can be pretty strong, park your car there or you know, over there and just the way he was raised until last week. He had a dream, he had a dream. And in the dream, the Holy Spirit said to me, I want you to turn the car park into a care park. That's all you need from God to change your life. I want you to take the car park and turn it into a care park. And from the minute people get out of their car, wait for the Holy Spirit to lead you to people that are new and that you can pick them out and walk them all through the journey into hospitality, out from church, back to... And on Easter Friday, he had the whole car park filled with balloons, yellow balloons. We're saying, Steve, what are you doing? He said, I had a dream. I had a dream. I had a dream. And God wants to anoint. You see, if God just anoints the pulpit, the pulpit gets the stories. God doesn't want to anoint you and use you to wear you out. He wants to use you and anoint you as a congregation to reveal His power to you, to reveal His purpose to you. So you can tell the stories. So you can tell those stories. And I believe there's a new renewed leadership coming, a, a renewed energy in leadership and in volunteering and serving because he's chosen this house to be an example. Now I say this reservedly because I wanna make sure it comes out right, but I believe just like I've been able to in a, in a way help mentor Tony and, and a little bit, and I, you know, I'm just one of those with Kath, you are gonna do that to a generation I'm not reaching. And there's an army of new future pastors and leaders that are not political. There's an army of future pastors and leaders that are not into religion. They've never known what it means to be in a church that's deacon possessed. And so, you know, they don't wanna be part of anything like that. I too, like Tony, you know, grew up in a Christian home, but there was a lot of deacon possession in the church I grew up in, but I never never drank marijuana myself either. So, you know, it was... um... Chris will tell you, they don't change. God is raising you guys up to be trusted with a message and a method. It's not just the message, it's a method. And it's not just trendy, it's trendy and truthful because there's, a, there's an army. This is what the Holy Spirit said to me, Tony. You are gonna see the call of God on people that other people don't see. You're gonna see on other young men and women the call and potential. And people are gonna say, why them? And you're gonna say, because God showed me. And one day they will look back. I've just been to Toowoomba and I've just been into Queensland two or three trips and I've gone to small places where people said 30 years ago, you were only a young guy with hair and you, know, and, and, and you don't, didn't look like now and, and I got saved at one of your camps. And there's a, a history of testimony that somewhere along the line, someone unpacked something in someone. You guys are gonna do that to a whole generation, and that's why church as a whole, you must step out of deliverance into possession. I'll explain more of that in just a moment. By the way, I'm going now, I'll never get to anything here. that I But, um, but you're called to father a new generation to bring adjustment and not restriction. A releaser of those who can't see potential in themselves. Yeah. Kath, happy birthday for yesterday. I didn't know it was your birthday. But I felt God showed me that it was a complete new era for you as a woman of God. And as I was praying for you, uh, this is what he told me to tell you. The Holy Spirit's going to always protect you. You will always be protected. The Holy Spirit will always protect you. You have a soft and giving heart, but you can be safe in your vulnerability. Because at times you've wondered and you think, oh, I don't know if I can give of myself. I don't know if I can give any more. I don't know if I'm being read properly. I, I, feel, I never felt that that pain would come from that place. You don't need to self-protect. You'll be protected because you're a leader in your own right and there's a growth in your confidence about to come and you will be vulnerable again. But in that vulnerability, there will be safety And this is a new era for you. You're not Tony's wife. You are Tony's wife. Just let me clarify that. But you don't do what you do because you're his wife. You're a woman of God in your own right. And God's called you to do that. And it's like, there's a for both of you and for the team, there's going to be an acceleration about to hit this place. And there's going to be that which took so long to get to. It's going to happen like that. If as a whole... As a church, you're willing to embrace because not every church is this new era that God's calling the church to. Tonight, I'll give you some statistics which I won't give you today about how people feel about the church. I've just been with World Vision where some of the world's leading speakers on the condition of the church have spoken and it's been quite exciting and quite scary. So many people are hurt by the church. So many people have been hurt by aspects of church life, and yet I wanna promise you today that God is about to raise a model, an apostolic church that is not driven by bottoms on seats, Uh, Although we want growth, it's because that means more people touching Jesus and knowing Jesus, but not driven by comparisons, not driven by who's who in the zoo and what VIP room you get to go to, but driven by a passion to change communities and show the real Jesus to a people who do not know Him. So I'll try to start my message, but... um, As I've been flying for many, many, many years, there's one ad that comes up constantly in the Qantas magazine and it goes off for a while, then comes back. The latest one has a mother and a daughter. Uh, Earlier on, it was a father and a son and the father or the mother is wearing a Patek Philippe watch. The Patek Philippe watch is very expensive. You're talking probably 20, 30 grand for a watch. The ad in the Qantas magazine says this, you never get to own a Patek Philippe watch, you just get to look after it for the next generation. You never get to own a Patek Philippe watch, you get to look after it for the next generation. It is my deep conviction and I've had this conviction for 30 years that each generation must declare to the next. We are just stewardship, uh, stewards of an amazing message. We don't own our church. This isn't Tony's church. It's not Kath's church, it's God's church. There's only one church. And our job is to steward what God has given us and pass it on to a new generation. So what I would like to talk to you about from Scripture today in brief, I hope, is what I don't wanna pass on to the next generation. If we're gonna pass on the good stuff. I don't wanna pass on what I grew up with. My father was the pastor in a little Italian church in St. Peter's and every second Sunday, there'd be a brawl I mean, when Italians talk normally, you think they're fighting. I was there the day when one of the deacons bit another deacon on the hand because he was handing out leaflets about the constitution he wasn't supposed to. I was 14 years old when they called the police to come and stop a brawl at the church. I wish I could say to you that things have changed. In some parts of the church, my dad is 80 years old now and he's still having those fights. But do I wanna pass that on to a new generation? What do I wanna pass on? So if you come with me to Psalm 78, a scripture that has been with me for 30 years, I want to share today and what I don't get to, we can sort of touch on tonight, hopefully, but is encourage us to make the shift Not that you in this church are doing what I've just told you, but let's all make the shift together to leave behind what has to be left behind. Have you been hurt in a church? Leave it behind. Because you did not join a church, you joined Christ. And if it's not Christ first, but church first, get ready to keep getting hurt. Let me tell you, if you are offendable, God will arrange it for you to be offended. If you're offendable, God will arrange it until you're not offended anymore. Oh, for Jesus, I'm offended. (laughs) Oh, for Jesus, stick it all. I'm not coming back. (laughs) If every hurt Christian was back in church today, we'd have a revival but we don't need them back in church, we need them back in Christ. And the fact of the matter is it's gotta be Christ and the church in that order. And we've had people become churchians and not Christians because a churchian is very different to a Christian and in a moment we'll show you that. But I wanna say this today, in Psalm 78, we read a sobering thing and yet in saying that, I wanna tell you the best days of the church are ahead of us. We're about to see authentic church. We're about to see Christianity clarified. We're about to see the world look at the church and go, wow, we love what you do. I see both expressions of the church. I was at a meeting the other day with the Bible Society talking about getting the next generation back in church. Within that group of people, there was a lady who's a minister who doesn't believe in God. An Anglican minister who doesn't believe in God and doesn't believe that any of the miracles in the Bible happened. So why are you a minister? Oh, to help people. Well, we're not the Rotary Club. Thank you, I better give that to you or I might kick that over Yeah, We're not the Rotary Club. If Christ isn't the motivation of every one of our lives, but in Psalm 78, the children of God, the children of Israel, let me read it to you. Verse 1 Oh, my people, listen to my instruction. Open your ears to what I am saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, not the church politics and the people that got hurt in church. For He issued His laws to Jacob. He gave His instructions to Israel. Let me go down to verse seven. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting His glorious miracles and obeying His commands. Then they will not be like their ancestors. Stubborn, rebellious, unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. The warriors of Ephraim, though armed with bows, turned their backs and fled on the day of battle. Can I stop here and just say this? I've lived through many eras in church life. And I've lived through boring church, and I've lived through really trendy church. And I've seen great music, great lights. We need we need to be contemporary. Please don't misunderstand me. But I've seen thousands of people leave those kind of churches too because the lights and the smoke ain't enough. The next crusade isn't enough. Churches that are event driven to get bums on seats is not gonna make us stand when the difficult times come. There's gotta be something far deeper. And I know that in this house, you're called not to awe, but you're called to and. We need to be relevant. We need to be contemporary. We need to build a cringeless Church where people don't feel cringy when they come in and go, this is a family, this is great, but it's based on truth and it's based on discipleship and it's based on a journey of Christianity and not churchianity because I've seen churchianity. And just like in Psalm 78, we see that the children of Israel were stubborn, rebellious, unfaithful, and they'd hardened their hearts. That all spells one word to me, entitlement. Entitlement. It says that Christians today or churchians today can slip, we all can slip into, I've been coming to this church for all these years and this is how they treat me? How come those younger people are getting an opportunity and I don't get to stand on the platform when I've got a call? How come? And we get into a spirit of entitlement. But when we look at the children of Israel, they saw miracle miracle after miracle after miracle and still did not get it. Don't think that the miraculous is gonna keep people in church. It's discipleship and a walk with Jesus that's gonna keep us in church. In 1973, in 1973, a young baby boy was brought into Clemson Church with his parents, with legs that he was born with, with his feet inwards and had, had uh, sort of plaster on his legs as a baby. And, and, and he was actually instantly healed in a meeting at Clemson to the point where a couple of weeks later, Channel 2 came and did a story on that little boy. Six months later, the family left the church to never go back again. You would think, God, if you answered that prayer, I would serve you forever. God, if you do this, I'm with you. But there's a deeper, deeper, deeper walk that the world needs to hear about, that the world needs to see. Because on Friday night, I was in church And up come a family towards me. And as the husband and wife come towards me, they burst into tears and I knew who they were because a few weeks ago, they said goodbye to their daughter, 19 years of age, to go and visit her friend in New Zealand. And while she's over there, she gets killed and her friend gets killed in a car accident. They lose their daughter. They prayed for her before she left that God would protect her, watch over her. Friday night, they come up to me, they put their head on my shoulder and wept and wept and wept and the pain is deep. But they looked at me and they said, we have nowhere else to go. We know Jesus is real. Pastor Danny, we know Jesus is real. And you know, the church is going on a missions trip to the Dominican Republic and we've put our names down and what our daughter was gonna do, we're now gonna go and do they could have said, where's God? Yeah. Why? But they know too much of Him that when things happen, we don't understand. We know too much to walk away. And I know in my own life, when we went through the situation with Mike, I thought, God, I don't understand you. God, I don't know why. I became self-righteous and, and I started to say, God, I've served you all my life. And God, I want to father a generation. Why does this happen to us? And then God starts to speak in ways that you know can only be Him. So this here, I don't understand, comes under the covering of all that I do understand and say, you are my God, but I'm not trying to be stupid today or arrogant by saying, but I know God, I know God to be real. I know Him not through the church. The church didn't show me God. Well, the church opened me up to God, but I, didn't, I don't do God in the second person. I don't do God through the church. I do God personally. And then the church adds to my doing God by encouraging me and building me up. And the children of Ephraim, they had all the stuff. They'd seen all the miracles, but they turned back in the day of battle. It says in verse 57, they turned back and were faithless as their parents. They were as undependable as a crooked arrow. Another version says, like a crooked arrow, they missed the target of God's will. Generation after generation. Yet the Psalm starts with each generation must declare anew to the next. This is an era in Christianity. Christianity has become confusing to the Christian. It's become confusing to the non-Christian. And right now, in this time in history, God raises up a church like this and many of us around the world to say clarity is coming. We're gonna see the church built according to God's plan. Because you see, this scripture can be very discouraging. But then I go over to Joshua chapter four and I read another scripture in verse six. And it says, So Joshua called together the 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. And he told them, go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up a stone and carry it out on your shoulder. 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? The difference between me being in church when the police are there at the age of 14 to stop a brawl. And little Lijah, with his hands raised in the photo that I get the other night is we are raising a new generation, listen to me, of young kids that are gonna ask what happened back there. Because when I was growing up, the kids did not wanna know. When I grew up in church, they couldn't wait to leave the church. When I grew up in church, young people just wanted to get out. They just saw the church as irrelevant, they saw the churches not having answers. Thank God for churches like this. You're not just trying to be trendy. You're not trying to be the latest thing in the Northern suburbs. You're trying to be a voice that generations can come and say, Pastor Tony, Pastor Kath, tell us how did it happen? How did you believe God? How did the money come in? How did you go through the tough times? How did you deal with staff adjustments? How did you do with that? We gotta have a story that is His story. That takes us to a place, and so that's what we want to do. I know that's what Tony. I just keep seeing a picture of you sitting around tables with young men in their twenties and thirties, with a real clear call of God on their life. They don't know where to start, and babe, Bible baby college, Bible college ain't going to do it for them. That's going to help. But you see, you know, the, just coming into my head now, you know, the Bible says that the The God of this world has blinded the minds of people. It doesn't say the God of this world has blinded the hearts of people. See, sometimes we can't get to people's heads. Sometimes people go to Bible colleges and stuff gets into their head, but their heart never gets changed. This is not a time for head transformation first. It's heart first. And I believe God's raising up loving homes you know, places that can have men from the community come in to a men's breakfast. Places that can come in. And you know, do you notice something? All I heard about one time when you had a whole lot of guys from the community come in for a hamburger and you gave them a light beer, and the churchians in this city go, What's happening there? The next thing will be ordaining homosexuals. <laughs> How dumb can you be and still breathe? It's not- Don't question my what if you don't know the why behind my what. And I want to declare from this platform, I know the why of this church. So I amen the what. Because I know the why. Why? because there's an army of kids that are gonna come back to church, some that have never been to church, that are gonna join the church and they're not gonna live immoral lives and they're not gonna turn the church into a cheap place, but they are gonna be discipled. There is a hunger for fathering. There is a hunger for discipleship. There is a hunger for mentoring and God has chosen this house to not be a reflection of what we've seen in churchianity but what God's calling us to Christianity. You know, when I was 30 years old, Chris will remember this. I was 30 years old, we had a guy in our house, probably one of the greatest ministries. You see, on a Sunday, you get the gift. On Monday to Sunday, we get the character or lack of. So many people go, why have they left? Why has that happened? In our church, I'm not saying it here, but in our church, why did that guy leave? I said, because your tithes pays for people. And in some cases, certainly not every case and not everyone that's moved on has moved on for wrong reasons. So please don't misread what I'm saying. But sometimes, sometimes shifts have to happen because of what God wants to do to take the church into momentum. And I was telling you something and I forgot what it was now. Can you remember what it was? Oh yeah. And so what happens is people get attached to a gift and they forget the purpose and the character. So we had a guy staying in our home. Chris was only a kid, but he'll remember this. He would go out to our back room and start playing the piano and you would swear the house was filled with the anointing. He would start to sing and unbelievable stuff would happen. I would get out and walk out into the back room and feel an atmosphere. Not knowing that while we were asleep at night because he stayed in our home, he would sneak out in the middle of the night and go and buy porno movies and bring them home and watch them in our home. We'd go off to youth camp and powerful things would happen. But you know, one day after many immoral, it's gone very quiet in here. (laughs) Can I promise you it gets really good in a minute? Yeah. And uh, four marriages later, going from brokenness to brokenness to brokenness, people still followed him because of his gift. Matthew 7 says we're not supposed to do that no matter even if they cast demons out in God's name. But we always respond to gift rather than character because it's so much easier to respond to gift. And I was 30 years old. I didn't have an iPad in those days or a computer, but I had a pad next to my bed I would write notes on. And I woke up in the middle of the night and this is what I wrote on a piece of paper. An independent spirit leads to rebellion. Rebellion leads to hardening of the heart. Hardening of the heart leads to dullness of hearing. Dullness of hearing leads to deception. Deception leads to... Perversion. And I wrote those things down and then the scripture God gave me was Isaiah 30. Woe to my rebellious children who go down to Egypt for advice, but they don't turn to me. As I wrote those things down, the Holy Spirit said, that's the steps that this man that's in your home is gonna go through and end up in total deception. 15 years later, I'm preaching in England. I'm preaching at a pastor's conference and I went through those steps a man comes up to me at the end of the service and says to me, I know who you were talking about when you went through those steps. I said, how would you know that? And gives me the name of the person. He was an uncle of that person who lived in England. He said, Pastor Danny, I've watched those steps one after the other. Because of a spirit of entitlement, And I wanna say this, this new generation struggles with entitlement, but the church cannot give in to that model of leadership because we're called to lead apostolically and it's a privilege to serve God in whatever area. I wanna tell you, since I'm no longer the senior pastor of EDGE, there are some small-minded people that talk to me very differently now, now that I'm not the top dog anymore. And I think that's your problem, not mine because my anointing hasn't left me because my title has changed. But we have this positional, come on. I'm gonna leave some stuff out, but I just wanna say this. Many churches are coming out of a deliverance mentality where it's looking after people, keeping people in position, not offending people. That was under Pastor Moses that that stuff went on. And I forgot to say this earlier, Tony, but I believe the Holy Spirit said to me to tell you there's a difference between physical tiredness and spiritual tiredness. And last year, God, the enemy tried to ta- attack you in your spiritual tiredness, not physical tiredness. You're very fit. You don't get physically tired. You go to the gym, I just wanna be like you when I grow up. But anyway, <laughs> um, I just wanna say, there's an, a, a tiredness that the devil tries to bring and I know what that's like. But let me tell you, there's a fresh breath of God on this new era for victory church. Let me tell you, you're not called victory for nothing. And let me tell you, God's called you to walk in victory and right now, this is what you're doing. You're going from deliverance mentality of what the church is there for and coming into Possession. I'll be sharing more of that with staff tomorrow, but I wanna say this. In deliverance, the church is high maintenance. In deliverance, the church is need driven. In deliverance, the church has high criticism, high expectations from leadership, but very low in ownership with a spirit of entitlement. Just like Moses was delivering the people through the land of Israel, there were three attacks. There was personal attack, There was purpose attack and there was priority attack. If you read Exodus 17, the people started to murmuring, this Moses, he's brought us out here and he's not meeting our needs and he doesn't know what he's doing. And so he was personally attacked. And let me tell you, every pastor and leader will go through that. I've been through it many times. And when Moses was personally attacked, he needed to separate from the crowd and just get alone with the few people he trusted and work out what was going on. But then the purpose gets attacked. The Malachites come in and they try to attack the purpose of the children of Israel moving forward. And so what happens is Aaron and Er begin to lift the arms of Moses because when the purpose gets attacked, we don't separate, we congregate. When the purpose gets attacked, we gotta pray together. We gotta get the church together. And we say, come on, the enemy's attacking our purpose because he doesn't like our dream. He doesn't like where we're going. And then his priorities were attacked and his father-in-law comes in Exodus 18. He goes, what you're doing is not good, boy. He was doing what most pastors are expected to do and God calls it not good. And I'm I'm gonna stand before God. Do you know that leading churches and leading the kingdom of God is the only job that I know of. We'll have to give an account before God on how we do it. God doesn't say to the butcher, the way you cut that slice of meat, you're gonna hold accountable to me for. (laughs) You know, the way you sprayed that car as a crash repairer, I'm gonna hold you accountable in eternity for that. I'm very nervous to attack Christian leaders be very, very, very careful because they have to stand before God and give an account of how they lead you. And if they do it wrong, there's enough judgment coming from there. We don't need anybody else to give God a hand. But I wanna say it's a very serious day we're moving into where God is redefining the church. I hope I'm going okay here, honestly. Jesus. So we're going from deliverance and we're going into possession Now let me say this, in deliverance, the church stays churchian. But in possession, the church becomes Christian. Let me go through really quickly. A churchian is a churchgoer, a Christian is a Christ follower. Any Christian that can hang on to a hurt for 20 years, you're a churchian. You're not a Christian. A churchgoer is inward looking. What will the church do for me but a Christian is outward looking. How can the gift on my life build the purpose over the house? A churchian has personal outcomes but a Christian had purpose outcomes. A churchian is offended easily. A Christian is extended easily. A churchian transitions. Now I'm gonna say two things. One, God wants to bring people from other churches to this house because They need to be in a safe house of discipleship. And there are people that shift churches and God positions them, but they are not people with issues. They are people that deal with the issue and then put themselves in an atmosphere of growth where they can grow internally before they grow externally. So many years ago, you'll remember this, Chris, many years ago, God gave me this. If we can get ready to put the chart up. I just wanna show you what happens. You see, everybody in life goes through a stable state of equilibrium where we have happiness. And then all of a sudden, there's a next one, trigger point. Something inside of us starts to unsettle us. There's a trigger point. And when there's a trigger point, if we don't understand what that's all about, we go into a place of crisis where we feel this constant sense of uncomfortableness or dis-ease. What we do in the world, I'm counselling non-Christians with this. What we do in the world is we start to manage our external world. That's why out in the world, if it happens in a marriage, they'd go and have an affair or find somebody else because they just can't and they, they feel good again for a while. Buy a new car, buy a new house, which in themselves are not wrong things to do. But because we're trying to fix a problem that we can't fix by the external, but what we do is we change our external world and we get our happiness back only for a short time until the next trigger point. And so what happens is another trigger point and then another sense of crisis. Then we manage our external world and we keep going around those four boxes and we keep transitioning. Christians do it. They marry a church, they don't get what they want, they divorce that church. Then they go and marry another church. Now I've told you before, God does put people from other churches in a different place because that's where God wants them. But you don't wanna do it because you're transitioning all the time. So because the, the new pastor will be the fourth member of the Trinity this month and six months down the track, he becomes the devil. Because the next trigger point comes. We then have the next crisis, we manage our external world and then we go to happiness again and we keep going around those boxes. Or if we go down the list, what we do is when that crisis time comes, we have a premature closure and we quit. Or the next one, we retreat. What's wrong with you? Nothing but your language of your body speaks louder than any words that are coming out of your mouth. So there's premature closure by quitting. There's retreating by depression. And the next one is lift the hood. See what happens is every human being has happiness and moments of equilibrium and we all have events and trigger points. Those trigger points become a a place of crisis or disease. And if we're a Christian, we're not meant to react. We're not meant to retreat. We're meant to respond and say, Jesus, how can you transform me through this crisis so I get my equilibrium back? And then each time we go around that cycle, we keep growing because we're being internally transformed, not externally transitioned. And I believe that a lot of Christians are suffering with depression because they don't know how to lift the hood on the very root cause that's causing them to keep going around that cycle. I could tell you story after story, one man in Edge Church who has been on medication for depression like you wouldn't believe. He saw this, decided to live outside himself, deal with the inner hurt, start and come to the church to volunteer every day and the doctors have now taken him off medication and he has been healed (laughs) by dealing with that issue. If the musicians can... Come back, it'll just make everybody feel like he will wind up. (laughs) A churchian reacts under pressure. A Christian responds under pressure, which we've just seen. A churchian will leave when disappointed. A Christian will turn disappointment into a God appointment. A churchian will live by feelings. Can I be this open in the pulpit today? When Michael's story hit the wall, I lost my two associates. One of them was a man who I'd pretty well done my whole life with. And I've not heard from him for seven years. I woke up yesterday morning and the Holy Spirit said, Danny, doesn't matter how many times you try, try one more time. So I rang him. I rang him yesterday morning and he goes, you don't know how happy I am to hear from you. Both of us on the phone had a moment of healing. You see, he actually came up with a teaching in our church years ago on deliverance to possession, to kingdom. I said, tomorrow morning I'm speaking at Victory Church. And I said, part of that thought came from your teaching and I just wanted to honour you for that. He said, you're not going to believe this, but I'm in Adelaide next week bringing that teaching to many churches. Can I come and see you? And for the first time in seven years, I know we're going to hug each other. And I know there's gonna be a moment of incredible restoration because I don't wanna be the unreal, the, the, the plastic Christian. I don't wanna be the church in. Listen, it's not perfection, church. It's direction. It's not about being perfect because we're all gonna make mistakes. But when we stuff up, don't keep stuffing up. When we stuff up, get back in the right direction put the things right and move forward. Otherwise we transition, transition, transition and we never transform because we live by feelings rather than walking by faith. We become religious with our mouth, but not with our manner because a Christian is true with their manner. We will seek to be successful, which is about our image, rather than seeking to be fruitful, which is committed to His image. We will see the needs of others as obstacles, but, we're, but when we're Christians, we see the needs of others as opportunity. We become committed to friends at church, There's more witchcraft in the church in friendships than ever before where one friend gets offended and 10 other friends get offended on their behalf. It's wrong. It's wrong because God sees it. God uses broken human beings to build His church. We're not perfect but we've got to, when things happen, fix them the Bible way. We've got to fix them the Bible way because we're not committed to church attendance only. We're committed to Christ resemblance. That's what we're committed to. So as we draw to a close, just sit back and listen to this. Don't try to write it down. It'll be on tape. I think you've heard... In many ways this morning, what I don't want to pass on. Tony and Kath, God's calling you in this era to be passers on to a new generation. So they'll come and say, what's those stones all about? Tell us the stories of old. Tell us the miracles of how God brought you this far. I want to pass on a gospel that people can know personally. I want to pass on Teaching that will help people trust the Bible again. That it doesn't become a devotional book, but a directional book. Not just a devotional, but a directional. I'm running out of time, so I'm going to leave stuff out. Without trust in the Bible, the Christian life is a daily grind. But with trusting the Word of God, it's a daily growth. And I want to tell you, the Bible has to be received before it can be understood. Don't try to understand it by not receiving it. The Word of God is our reference point for everything that is Christian. And my, my love for the Word of God has grown and grown and grown because it's my reference point. Let me tell you, if the Bible says that if you don't love your brother who you do see, how can you love God who you can't see? I think that's a good reference point to fix the problem. God is raising this church with a kingdom mindset. God is raising this church to have community care, to be the salt of the earth and not just the church and the light of the world and not just the light of the church. God is raising this church to see ministry as not a function in the pulpit, but that every believer is released to their God assignment. God is, in, is called this church to embrace divine change, not just any change. Only the change that God initiates. Tony, you're gonna make some decisions that no one's ever made before. You're gonna reach out and do things in a way that no one's done them before. But they're gonna be divine change, not just your thinking. And as God speaks, He supports what He releases. God is raising this church to have a missional heart and a passion, not a department called mission, but a heart in the church that is missional with a passion for the broken. God has raised this church where the broken will find God attractive, where brokenness is not pushed away in this house and brokenness is uh, attractive to God and attractive to this house and it gives hope to the broken. And God is raising this church to see success as obedience. I close with this, it's a sermon on its own, but it's prophetic and that's why I need to close with this today. Chris will remember that in 1994, God gave me a message that now is coming back to me after 20 years. The Word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. The Word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time. And the Word of the Lord came to John Mark a second time. And about two months ago, the Holy Spirit said to me, that Word now is not just for believers, but it's for entire churches. This is what He said to me. Jonah was disobedient. Jeremiah was discouraged. And John Mark, was full of doubt and fear. And he said the church has lost its influence in its community like it should have had because Jonah didn't want a heathen Nineveh to be saved. We ain't got time to go into the story. And God is restoring back to churches like this a passion to heal the ugliest of ugliest things, the people that we don't think even deserve it. And God is putting a grace on this space, a grace on this house. So the Word of the Lord comes and as we are obedient, it comes a second time in a new era. The Word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah and Tony. Oh, Tony and Kath, you gotta hear this and your team today. Jeremiah did everything God asked him to do. He wrote out every sermon that God had given him to preach. And a king takes those sermons and prophecies and tears them up and throws them in the fire. And the discouragement that touches his life. And there were moments in the past where discouragement has touched your life, not because you feel like you've done the wrong thing, but because you think, God, I did all that I needed to do. I did what I felt I needed to do. And the Word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and said, take a scroll, take a pen and start again. And I prophesy today that the last 20 years has been preparation for this moment. The last 20 years has been like a practice run. The last 20 years, God's allowed mistakes to happen. Of course they will happen, but it's to position you for this moment in history. And John Mark was full of doubt and fear because he thought he, he was confronted by the cannibals out there that he didn't know how to, he ran home to Jerusalem and and Paul got upset with him. But Barnabas goes, no, no, give the guy another chance. And let me tell you, there's been moments of doubt and fear. There's been moments of discouragement. There's been moments of being saying, God, have I been obedient? Have I done things right? In your heart you have. We might not always get everything right, but I wanna tell you the Word of the Lord comes a second time to the church, not just victory, but to you and other churches that wanna come out of deliverance and into possession your cause gonna get greater. The issues you're gonna deal with are gonna be issues of momentum and issues of growth, not issues of disappointment in people because of what you don't deliver for them. I want us all to stand to our feet right now. And I, I have tried to deliver my heart this morning because I believe the world deserves a better church. The world deserves a church that's authentic. The church deserves a church that is real. I'm not saying a better church than victory, I'm talking Right across the board, there's only one church, God's church, we need to not make it hard for people to connect with Jesus. We need the world out there to come to authentic faith, authentic Christianity and it's time to rise up and it's time to reach out. It's time to rise up and it's time to reach out because this church has not arrived at its place of comfort but this church has arrived at its place of conviction. And it's time to step out because the best is yet before you. God is about to do something amazing. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.